Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today, and thank you for joining um, us last week. What a phenomenal week we had. Oh, my. I'm still uh, overwhelmed. The The response was incredible. The Faith Radio listeners are absolutely the most amazing, Christ-centered, following followers of Jesus that want to make a difference in the world, that give sacrificially, that care about others, that spend time sending us warm affirmations. Um, I could spend the next two hours talking like this, and I might. Should I do this? No, maybe I shouldn't. (laughs) I'll find another time to keep gushing, but I I could go on and on and on. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, It's so nice to be back uh, with guests on today, and I love the time we had last week because it's so nice to hear from listeners, and uh, it, it is overwhelming uh, to see what happened last week and to see the gifts uh, and the generosity pour in, you know, in a time of kind of a suppressed economy and a lot of people out of work, we just prayed God would work in a big way and boy, did he ever. So exceeded all of our expectations, but that's the God we serve. So we're thrilled to do it and thrilled to be uh, back uh, to regular programming today. I miss my I miss my regular guests. So kind of be fun to start off the week like I usually do on Mondays with a little levity and just trying to get back on track after a nice uh, relaxing weekend. My friend Patrick Albanese is already on our Skype line. We'll take 60 seconds and uh, I will bring him right on. Hi, I'm Ted Ross, creative producer at Faith Radio. The great evangelist and author Henry Drummond once said, the most obvious lesson in Christ's teaching is that there is no happiness in having or getting anything, but only in giving. You, our dear listeners, have given greatly during our recent fundraiser event, and we want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Your generous gifts truly do keep the ministry going in helping us all know Christ better and make him known. Many blessings and much happiness to you now and in the days ahead. Connecting faith to life every day. He's on the inside of me, guiding me, leading me, helping me, strengthening me, healing me, caring for me, providing for me, answering my prayers, doing everything he said he would do. That's where he is. Faith Radio. Welcome to the show. So glad to have Patrick Albanese on. I thought I'd throw him off a little bit today with that (laughs) same soundtrack, but just a little bit of a different take on it. Patrick is my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, prestigious West Des Moines. And we've only been gone a minute. We took a minute break. But do you know what all can happen in 60 seconds? For example, 250 babies were born in the last 60 seconds across and around the world. And did you know, speaking of delivery, UPS will have delivered 11,319 packages in the last 
minute. And your heart will beat 60 to 100 times while you are waiting for the show to come back. And uh, also your blood will circulate through your entire vascular system three times in 60 seconds. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, aren't we? Patrick, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to know that it's not UPS delivering the babies. <laughs> it's not. Up. It's not. Those are separate activities. <laughs> separate activities. Good. Yes. yes. So, uh, especially you just say, if you say, you know, I'm not going to sign for that, just leave it on the porch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we, we had, uh, we're both uh, in the magic community. We've been performers for a long, long time. And we had, we lost a big one this weekend. Yes. Roy, Roy Horn of Siegfried and Roy passed away at 75. And of course they say that he died from the coronavirus, which makes me wonder because he was quite debilitated if it wasn't a healthcare worker that was going in to take care of him that got him infected. Well, I, I would think that was my first thought as well. Cause, um, I know he doesn't go out and about much. Uh, and of course Vegas itself was on lockdown. Right. So, um, but I, you know, he, as everybody probably knows the story, he, I don't think you can say he was attacked by a tiger. He was, uh, he and a tiger had an inter interaction, shall mm -hmm. we say. Um, it, but uh, he lost so much blood, he suffered a massive stroke. And so I know he needed assistance in many areas. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm guessing probably a couple times they were wealthy people. So uh, I'm sure that they were able to uh, afford in-home care for, you know, all kinds of activities that, you know, I'm sure he needed help with food, you name it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was I was curious about that because you know you don't just get it from nowhere. Yeah, you met those guys a couple of times, didn't you? I have, yes. Um, for, first time I was just a kid. Um, I was in Las Vegas at the age of eighteen, and back then you could be eighteen and and walk through a casino and make it to the showroom. So uh, I had first my brothers had won a trip to uh, Las Vegas selling aluminum siding and they gave it to me <laughs> I've never heard so, this <laughs> yeah that's uh so one christmas it was i was 17 i was going to turn 18 in a, in a couple days after christmas and uh my brothers gifted me i was like a trip to vegas uh and it included tickets to see alan king and uh but anyway i managed to go see siegfried and roy and then a few months later my good friend craig says, well, now I've got to go. So we planned another trip and we went. And uh, this time uh, I learned how you work, how you work the door in Vegas and you, you tip the maitre d', you know. And back then, 20 bucks was, uh, we're going back 40 years, plus 10 minus 6. I <laughs> carry the one. <laughs> with the kids, with the homeschooling. Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, 20 bucks for an 18 year old kid is like, I'm going to give a guy 20 bucks to, to get a, a close seat. And this guy puts us at the edge of the stage. And so now you're, you're, you're sitting at the edge of the stage and you're watching elephants disappear. Bengal tigers are within a couple of feet of you. It, it's this majestic thing. And of course, you know, I'm 18. So it's like, well, I'm a magician too, you know, <laughs> just, just like Siegfried and Roy, mm -hmm. not a whole lot different, although I am younger. And uh, mentioned that to the Mater D. And so the show ends, and the Mater D comes back. And this is the best 20 bucks I ever spent, by the way. <laughs> Says, wait right here. Uh, and then he comes and gets us. And next thing you know, 
were walking up on the stage, then through the curtain, then backstage, back to their dressing room. And he says, hey, uh, what is this? Patrick and uh, Craig, they're from Chicago, Siegfried and Roy. Wow. And we sat with Siegfried and Roy for about 10 minutes. I go, this is completely unexpected. I thought we'd maybe get to say hi. Next thing you know, you're just and they're saying, we love Chicago. Yeah, and you find out years later that they would want to meet anybody. Mm. Uh, and, and of course, uh, if you fast forward about 20 some odd years from there, I was running the Magic Castle in Hollywood, a private club for magicians. And so uh, they were there every now and then. In fact, I remember one night after they, they finished dinner and they head off to a showroom and I, I, I go by the table because uh, Irene, one of their friends, said, could you go to the table and see if Siegfried left his watch at the table? Gladly. <laughs> and so I go back to the table and I find this pretty impressive watch. <laughs> so oh, you, you have the dilemma, right? Uh, yeah, couldn't find it. <laughs> but I, I bring it back and it's it's heavy. I see why he had to take it off to eat. There's no way you could eat with that watch on. <laughs> and Irene says, oh, thank you. That's 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 about a $65,000. Wow. <laughs> I thought, well, you know, I paid 20 bucks to meet these guys. The least they could have done is give me a watch. <laughs> But they were they they were wanting to meet a couple other magicians at that stage in their career, which is just unbelievable. Well, they were always open to, to meeting other magicians. I mean, it, you know, when they would come to the Magic Castle, and we had a, we had a lot of you know obviously famous magicians. In fact, I got a call from a guy one night, and he said, "My old boss, who, who was Doug Henning, will be coming in, and and it'll be a mob scene if people know he's coming. So I need to protect that info." And then I need you to kind of escort him through the secret passages and just make sure he gets around and he doesn't get mobbed. Uh, and that would have been the case. And I did have to kind of protect him. Uh, Steve Martin would be another celebrity that you would have to sort of escort around and protect. Uh, Siegfried and Roy usually didn't ask for any of that escort. They were mm -hmm. perfectly willing to be stopped in the hall, chat with just about anybody. Uh, and I and I think half the time people couldn't believe that that was really them there, although they're really hard to mistake. They don't wear disguises. <laughs> so, you know, you'd, you'd, you're going... That's that's Siegfried and Roy. Yeah, and by that's the time, fun. Yeah, by the time it dawned in on you, they were down the hallway and they were off watching a magic show somewhere. But uh, uh, they were really open to meeting people. Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, when I was uh, years ago, when David Copperfield was in town, I I went with a friend to see the show, and we went backstage to talk to him. And it's so funny because he just gets off stage, and we're backstage, you know, ten minutes, five minutes after the show, and he looks at us and says, "Okay, what'd you like? What didn't you like?" <laughs> like, hey, David, good to see you. <laughs> well, you know how when, when Copperfield would do his shows, he sometimes would run a video of one of his big effects, like Vanishing Statue of Liberty. Right. And, and those are seven minutes long. So a good friend of mine who I guess you could say he's good friends with David. He, they, he collaborates with them a lot. Uh, was used to getting phone calls. He'd get this phone call. It'd be, you know, 847 at night. He's like, David always calls at 847. He's always calling me at 847 for about five minutes. And then he says, I got to go. So one night he says, he goes, well, why do you always call me at 847? He says, well, I, I'm backstage. The, uh, the, the, the Statue of Liberty video is running. And I just, I had a question for you. <laughs> so he went, during the seven minute video, he's still working oh, on my guy. And he would make a phone. He's like, I got seven minutes. I can use five of that to make a phone call, get a bite to eat. Head back out on stage. Yeah, that's fantastic. That was yeah. Yeah. Well, Patrick, I, it's been fun to catch up a little bit with that uh, Siegfried and Roy. Um, they, they did kind of change the way 
people view magical entertainment. I mean, it, it's uh, to be in the front row, those Siberian, 400-pound Siberian tigers were accessible to the crowd if they wanted to be, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, That's the part course, I don't get. I don't think OSHA would allow that anymore. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I went back when I was uh, not too many years ago building magic props for magicians. Uh, my friend and I were building something for for a tiger act. And they brought the tiger over to my apartment, and it just it was it was a bit surreal, and it was a tiger <laughs> tiger cub at that point in time, so it was pretty cute. Yeah, you know, I think it only weighed about forty pounds. Yeah, <laughs> but who wants a forty pound cat? And uh, we were, you know, training the cat at a young age to get used to being inside this magic prop because it was foreign. You just don't you don't want them swiping out at you. But I thought, my gosh, well that cat, I think ended up at five hundred pounds. Uh, and, uh, I saw, I, you know, it really gave, it gave you a great appreciation for what Siegfried and Roy were able to do with them. And those cats did love them. They, that's, uh, for people that used to worry about uh, the life those cats lived, trust me, it was pretty luxurious. I bet. Uh, they had a full run of the estate. Nice. <laughs> Let me take a little break. Patrick Alban is my guest. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Patrick Alden is my guest. And uh, what? Uh, how was your weekend, Patrick? I want to. I got a couple of things on my plate here, but um, how was your weekend? I was well. We had Mother's Day, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, so um, you know, I had to teach the kids not to act surprised when Mom opened her gift. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got her a weighted blanket. Nice. A, yeah, yeah. I made it myself. I thought, how hard could this be? So I don't know if 30 pounds is a little too heavy. <laughs> Those things are actually, they're pretty cool. But, you know, we, we, the kids are getting a little bit stir crazy. And uh, so I, I thought that I would take care of two situations uh, with 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 one uh, small task. Now, um, I, I lease my car and it's actually due to be turned in in two weeks. And I thought, what better time? to teach the kids how to drive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, in in the event there's a mishap. In the event there's a mishap, not my car. I I have no idea what happened to the transmission. I believe that's covered under the extended warranty. But uh, actually it was my wife's idea, and so we we drove up to the, the exact same parking lot that her dad took her to many moons ago. Nobody had any idea that this was coming, including me. And I said, why Why are we in this parking lot up by this beautiful lake? I thought we were just there to see the sights. And she said, okay, kids, time to get your first driving lesson. So uh, I thought, oh, my gosh, they're 9 and 10. This is <laughs> really early. But, of course, there's not a there's nothing. It's this just giant empty lot. And so we just taught them how to ease off the brake. And, of course, my son, after a couple times, that said, I'm ready for the accelerator. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, very uh, funny. you know, it's so funny because I, I recall doing that as a kid too. It's like, you got to do the, the, I mean, granted, we're not like that five-year-old kid who, you know, hopped on the freeway in California and took mom, dad's car to go buy a Lamborghini. Did you read about that kid? I did see that. That was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah <laughs> just, that was crazy. 
You know, there was, a, I don't know if they include this anymore on the driver's test. Maybe there's a parent that recently went through this with their son or daughter and they could verify this. Do you remember when you took your test, how you had to do the quick stop? Oh, you mean jolt the car? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had to do a quick stop where they would just like yell out stop and then you'd have to slam on the brakes. Yes. That was part of your test, wasn't it? Uh, it was part of my test and my kids without even being in, instructed in that actually did it. <laughs> yeah. How, I don't know how many times you have to tell somebody go easy on the brake, ease into the brake. We're only going five miles an hour and you know, Kapawi, uh, uh, it was, uh, it was a pretty abrupt stop. Yeah. I want to say know, they've taken that out of the test though. The quick stop. I don't know. I'd, I'd be curious to know my, my friend Don who, uh, failed his test the first time he took it. He, he proceeded cautiously through a flashing red and you have to treat those as a stop sign and that was so that was meant instant failure you failed your test so he proceeds through a flashing red he should have made a complete stop he proceeds through carefully and the uh the instructor is like uh you know all right uh, that's kind of stop you know in other words it's over and don thought that that was the time for the quick stop and the guy wasn't braced (laughs) and bounced off the windshield (laughs) so it was kind of a long day for him but uh I, I wouldn't have do that like, anymore. You have like three students in the car, and I mean, I still remember this from driver's ed in high school. Uh, Marissa, I won't use her, her last name in case in case she's listening, <laughs> but she might remember this. But uh, it was our first day, and uh, it wasn't long before we were up on a curb in somebody's yard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, she was, you know, we were all kind of traumatized. I think the instructor was pretty traumatized. Uh, we, for some reason, we did not get flat tires because she was going so slowly, but we were, it was, whoops, we're up on the brake. We're going to hit a house <laughs> and, uh, managed to stop in time. And, uh, she did not pass the test, uh, caught up with her on Facebook recently. And two weeks ago, she finally got her license. So I think that's good. I think it eventually all sins are forgiven. Yeah. Doesn't it make you want to revisit the, uh, driver, uh, driver instructor by Bob Newhart? Oh, God. That's probably one of the funniest. All right. Well, and the other one where he's he's the therapist, he says, just knock it off. Stop doing it. Stop oh, doing those so things. that is so funny. Yeah. Yep. All right. I don't know how you're doing in terms of uh, the news cycle. Are you at kind of uh, your your place where you, you can't watch it very much anymore? Um, are we, are, are you, do you see the news uh, holding a balanced approach to what's going on in the world right now? What is your take on that? I'm curious. Uh, yeah, I, I certainly don't trust them. Uh, not that I'm saying I did I, I trust them explicitly, but it's so affecting my attitude. And and I start to I started to realize that this this nonstop coronavirus coverage was a marketing model for them. It wasn't necessarily about keeping us informed because how many times a day do you need to be told to wash your hands uh, while singing the Happy Birthday song? You know, after a while, and and I said this is. You know, it's a constant. It's like it's like that 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 news blurb that comes on says, you know, could you die in your sleep tonight? Find out tomorrow. Right. Tune in. <laughs> you go. I'm not, I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to be up for days waiting to hear that story. And it was always being teased as, you know, find out the next alarming thing. And I realized what harm would it do me to walk away from some of this? I can kind of catch up late right. in the day. Right. And I realized. I'm just as informed as I was before, but my attitude was healthier because I was getting pretty moody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it's hard to, to not be, you know, you know, to be surrounded by this kind of doom and gloom all the time. And I'm not saying that 
you can ignore that we're living in some with some dire circumstances. But you realize how much can I accomplish by listening to the same news stories over and over again? And what what would God want me? What face does he want me to put forward? How does he want me to say, I trust in you? I'm just going to have to maybe let some of this negativity go. Yeah, I think that's a wise, uh, wise take, Patrick. Um, God doesn't want us walking around feeling like the thing is out of control because it's clearly not. He is in control and we can trust uh, the next step, the next day, the next hour. Yeah, I'm upset in a way that it just it took me almost uh, wallowing in in almost depression level negativity uh, for a while to say well, what is causing this, and I said it is my constant need to get the latest bad news. Mm. I think this could go. I think I could sacrifice this and and still be informed without having to have the constant drumbeat of we're doomed, we're mm-hmm. doomed. It's like we're not doomed. Yeah. So five positive truths that come from Scripture and then look at the newspaper or look at the uh, watch the news, because I think you have to fill your mind with truth and light. And and then you can delve into what's being said. If you're a headline writer for the newspaper, you got to be really good at uh, writing bad, bad headlines and bad news headlines, because I think that's what sells papers. Yeah, I, I think it does. And I think, you know, you can look to th- especially things like the Psalms and you say, well, gosh, has was, did David ever face any tough times? <laughs> did he ever have when it looked like it was bad? Oh, yeah. And he wrote prayers. He prayed. No. People prayed. People prayed. You look throughout the Bible, there are, you know, these there are uh, hundreds, thousands of examples of people who turned to God, sometimes they were upset. You're saying, "Come on, what do you do? What's going on here? Yeah, can you help me out here? You know, can you can you help a guy out?" It seems like every page is a suffering person writing to suffering people in Scripture. I mean, yeah. Scripture knows what it's like to be suffering. We don't have to pretend. You know, it's uh, it's the most comforting place in the world to go is God's Word. Just go live in it, soak it in. Yeah, it's it, it it's supposed to be our refuge, and it is. And it is. Yeah. yeah. All right, Patrick, I so appreciate connecting. Um, I'm still kind of very gushy over what happened last week with the the spring share. There was just an amazing turnout of listeners that said, I want to support Faith Radio. And I appreciate you uh-huh. doing the show. I appreciate you being on the program every week. I liked starting on kind of a lighter note. Uh, I think after yeah. a, a weekend, it's kind of nice to slowly get into the week. And I think it's also good to, to smile and have a, a laugh. And, um, you know, I... God gives us this ability to laugh, and we, we feel better when we laugh. And I hope, I think, listen, and I hope we, listeners I, laugh like, when they listen to us. <laughs> I know we occasionally do. Well, and we like to help people out, too. For instance, and, and maybe a parting thought uh, for those of your listeners that are you know saying, you know, maybe I, I want to try and buy things made in America. I don't want to buy—if I'm looking for things to, that I can't buy in China, well, I did the search for you, and I found one thing, and it's uh, Mugu Gai Pan. That's about it. <laughs> That's the only thing you can <laughs> Well, there's the banjo music. You know what that means there, boy. We're done. Time to go. Time to go. Yeah. See you later. Patrick Albanese has been my guest, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. We'll take a little break. We got um, Monday afternoon mix coming up with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. We'll be right back.
More about us at unwsp.edu. Hi, I'm Ted Ross with the Faith in Life Minute. How can you love your spouse better? Here's some advice from well-known counselor and author Gary Thomas. So I would just say to the guys, look, every life situation, there are new ways our wives need to be treated. And we can just ask them, okay, what will affirm you so that you don't feel stupid or you don't feel dumb? And I would say to wives, when you're going through that process and you're having kids and saying to your husband, how can I raise these kids without making you feel like you're ignored? How can you know you're still first in my heart? Or he gets laid off and you know he's depressed and he feels beat down because nobody wants to hire him. Is there something I do that makes you feel like you don't measure up? What do I do that really affirms you? It's letting our spouse help us love them and draw closer to them. What are the spiders we need to kill, those silly things we might not even know are there that push our spouse away, that make them feel like they're not cherished, not loved, not valued? Hear more from Gary Thomas at MyFaithRadio.com. Did you miss one of your favorite shows this week? Wish you could listen to that sermon again and again? Jump in the car partway through an interview that you wish you'd heard all of? Is there a show or an interview you heard that you would like to pass along to a friend? Download or share our free show podcasts at MyFaithRadio.com and listen anywhere, anytime. That's MyFaithRadio.com. afternoon mix with miles arnold and maxwell hello miles and maxwell hello arnold (laughs) (laughs) how how is everyone today you know what doing super good good and i know rebecca's super because i've been talking to her so um, you know it's been a great uh, day of celebration for us Uh, we're just coming off an incredible week of of generous support from all of our listeners who care about the station and the programming and they just they just poured out their love and support and so i'm kind of in the gushy mode today but i'll probably be that way all week oh that's awesome bill and i mean i think the the listening audience should just just be thrilled as well i mean because you are partnering in when the apostle paul talks about claiming your fellowship and Mm -hmm. partnering in the gospel i as this message and so many of the message from KTS goes out, you, you, all the listening audience is playing such a huge part in kingdom transformation for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. So I've been kind of thinking about just personal uh, testimonies today. I've, I've got Becky Pippert coming up on the next hour. She's uh, written a, a pretty popular book uh, 20 years ago called Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World. Mm-hmm. In evangelism as a way of life, and she's kind of rewritten it, and it's now called Stay Salt, helping Christians to share their faith in today's world confidently and effectively. And I would love to hear, 
David Miles, your story of how you came to personal faith in Christ, because I know that always builds up the body. Well, you know, uh, Bill, God and Rebecca, God has just had a really kind of nonlinear uh, type of call in my life. But something that's really neat, because we didn't get an opportunity to share about this, uh, today is May 11th. So, on, um, and I know this isn't true for every person, uh, but last uh, a couple of days ago, on May 8th, was my 33rd spiritual birthday. Beautiful. And uh, and so, um, you know, my story is kind of nonlinear. Um, you know, the Lord just began working in my life. It's kind of strange. When I was eight years old, I felt him calling me to preach the gospel, but it was through a number of things that he began to solidify the gospel in my heart. And, uh, you know, really that culminated in uh, May 8th, 1987, um, someone shared the four spiritual laws with me. I mean, they just walk through God's plan for my life that I'd send, that God had sent his son as a savior and knowing God personally. And I thought someone was going to be sharing with me about, you know, church, you know, like what it meant to be in a church, but the whole idea uh, of a personal relationship with Christ. So, you know, it wasn't like really impactful, but it was, you know, May 8th, uh, 1987, 10.45 p.m. between the emergency room doors and the bathroom doors at Papa's Restaurant on North 42nd Street, next to the University of North Dakota. And God just, he just, he wrecked me. The gospel was just uh, incredible, and my life has never been the same sense. Yeah. When the glory of heaven pours into your life, it does. It shakes and rattles your very foundation, which is exactly what it's supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, it was really neat. And one of the things is we talked about kind of personal evangelism. Um, my story is that I actually came to faith in Christ out of a failed suicide attempt. And uh, I was a sophomore in high school, just a number of things were going on in life, um, you know. And uh, I had a failed suicide attempt. I came to school one day, and my locker mate, his last name was Porter, my last name was Miles, M.P., and he just said, hey, hey, what are you doing, you know, Tuesday night? I'm like, mm, you know, nothing. He goes, hey, do you want to come to this thing called Student Venture with me? And I was like, what's that? And so he kind of told me a little bit about it. And I thought to myself, you know what? I had, I have nothing to lose. I never realized how much I had to gain. Mm. And, uh, you know, and I met individuals and, you know, they were imperfect and stuff, but there was something different about them. And I guess as Rebecca Pippert said, there was something salty about their life. Yeah. And, uh, and they helped introduce me to the living water of Jesus Christ, and, and I'm so grateful for that. So when you think of people when you share Christ, I, th- I think of them as obviously loved deeply by God, um, a sinner like me in need of salvation. Uh, but I also think on the spectrum— the person might just have an ignorant unbelief where they simply haven't heard the good news of the gospel. They don't, they don't know what they don't know. And then there's some that had that little, um, you know, inoculation of religion when they were growing up. And so, you know, what an inoculation is, is it gives you a little bit of it. So when the real thing comes mm-hmm. along, your body knows how to fight it off. So when the real person of Jesus Christ knocks on their door, they go, yeah, I've been there, done that. So they might be in a place of doubt, uh, or they might be in a place of what I would think of or call decisioned unbelief. I've heard the gospel, and I think it's, uh, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me, and it's not for me. So there's kind of the yeah. spectrum, I think, that when we do personal evangelism, we're going to find a person in one of those three categories. 
Yeah, you see people different. And as, as I was saying earlier, my walk was kind of fairly, you know, nonlinear. Um, you know, I remember being a sophomore in high school and uh, sitting in the back of a church service and the pastor had given an invitation for baptism. Like I raised my hand and didn't feel pressured or anything. And, and went and was baptized again, you know, I was reading my Bible and stuff. And then those middle school years that, you know, are tumultuous and things like that. And I grew up in a family with alcoholism, grew up in North Dakota, you know, a place where there wasn't too many chocolate Norwegians there. So <laughs> no race, <laughs> you know, racism was alive and well then and still is. Um, and so those things were kind of impacting in my life. And, and I, in this moment, I just want to say praise God and thank God for middle school and high school youth pastors who come alongside of parents uh, to help minister to kids. They're, they're not the end all. Uh, they, they, they're, they're joyous to come along and help parents, but it starts with our families. But those guys are, and those gals are just huge, and they played a big impact in my life. But it was through my middle school years and then my sophomore years when I attempted to end my life. And, um, you know, so it wasn't kind of like this just straight linear thing. And uh, one dear brother named, um, his first name Charles, last name Engel, he has about the Engel scale of evangelism. He talks about how people, pre-Christian, you know, God is at work in people's lives in various ways, doing various things to draw them unto himself because he loves them. And, and it's, it's neat to hear the story and testimonies of people where God has been at work in their life like that. Yeah, it, I never I never get tired of hearing it because it's the single most pivotal, important moment in any person's life is the moment they go from dead in their sin to alive in Christ. So every story I hear, I, I, I seem to powerfully remember it to some degree because that was the day. That was the day when you uh, became born again. And the Bible says, marvel not when I say you must be born again. Well, Bill, one of the things, too, is like as I, as I started off by sharing is that for me, I had a date, but for other people, that's not the case, and that's fine. I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, you know, I got in a carriage ride, and I went for a ride. I left as an atheist, and I came back as a believer in Christ. <laughs> and I remember one of the guys that I went to college with, and I remember him coming back from, from um, break, and he and then sitting looking at me, and his name was Jeff, and he goes, David, I, I don't know what happened. He goes, all I know is I left the fall semester of school just adamantly against against Christ and thinking this was silly. And he goes, and somewhere over Christmas break, I changed my life, and and I don't I don't know when it was and where. And another important thing, and my wife is my wife Cammy has highlighted this one time. Um, all of us need the salvation that God gives because none of us have a righteousness, God's type of righteousness. So some people, when they hear things like that, they're like, oh, my goodness, you know, I don't have a, you know, from from the sewer to salvation type of story. You know, I grew up in a family and, and God opened my eyes to the gospel at a young age. And I remember my wife's just saying, praise God, praise God for his, his grace and mercy and that you didn't have to go to the far country, you didn't have to go down that road, but you needed Jesus just as much as well as all of us do. Yeah, I think that's a, a beautiful testimony, and I, I hope everybody uh, shares that faith story, because think of some of the things that were completely avoided in life because you were following Christ. Yeah. So, Bill, how did you come to know the Savior? Well, 
I was um, in uh, seventh grade, and I was attending uh, a Catholic school, and my seventh grade religion and choir teacher uh, really bought us Bibles. Of course, I grew up loving God, loving church. Um, you know, my mom uh, just showed me the love of Christ every day, and I believed it. And then my seventh grade religion teacher said, bought us Bibles, had us memorize First John 1, 9. And he said, you come of age where it's not what your parents tell you to believe, but it's it's what you want to personally believe, and you need to understand why you believe it. And Christ came to save you, and he wants a personal relationship with you. And by um, becoming born again, you can have the assurance of salvation. And I thought, are you kidding me? Because, you know, I, I used to think, well, if my good deeds outweigh my bad, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. I'll get to heaven. And now I'm being told that, no, you can have confidence, you can have assurance of hope, knowing that your salvation is secure because of what Christ did on the cross. And you, you repent of your sin and pray to receive him and ask him into your, into your life. And I thought, are you kidding me? This is the best news I've ever heard. And, yeah, and I... So t- to me, it was like, how do I sign up for this, and can I do it now? Yeah, that is so sweet, and it's so exciting to hear that. And, and one of the things, again, is God just uses other people in our lives. And I like that God doesn't, like, play games with us about it, because, like, First John 5, uh, 11 says, And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you might know. Not that you might throw dice and say, boy, I think I did enough good today. I'm saying, ooh, I'm pond scum today. I didn't do it. I'm going to hell. No, you said that you might know that you have eternal life. Yeah. David, let me take a little break. You're listening to the Monday Afternoon Mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. We'll be right back. We are in the Monday afternoon mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. I got a nice text from Deborah who said, When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. That's Psalm 94, verse 19. And another uh, listener, Roy, said, As many, as one of the many youth workers that hung around D. Miles, you cannot believe how proud I, I am to see this young man has grown into his faith and shows his passion for the living Lord. Keep on trucking, Dave. Wow. Yeah, thank you to the many people who actually, uh, you know, poured into my life. You know, some things come out by prayer and fasting, and there's a lot of people praying and fasting for me. I I, I love uh, um, the, the verse that says in Psalm 40, you know, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up out of the pit of destruction and out of the miry bog, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. And I would love to hear from Rebecca. Rebecca, what, what is your story, how the Lord moved and worked in your life? Oh, That sounds well, like a host question. <laughs> <laughs> Let's mix. We're all no, together. We're all We're mixing, together. yeah. There's... <laughs> 
It's Miles Arnold Maxwell. Afternoon yeah. mix. All right. So it's <laughs> afternoon mix. Good question, David, by the way. Oh, sure. No problem. I can't um, wait. I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go anywhere. We need you I'm for this show. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> well, short version, uh, I was I was raised in the church, as is the expression. Although, like you said, Bill, you have to reach that point where you know that it's your faith and yes. not just what your parents said or the rules that we abide by in this house. And my dad was a preacher as well, so I was kind of grew up on that front row and, and knew the Bible and, and knew all the memory verses backwards and forwards. And But you, there comes a point, and for me it was about 11, where I was convinced, okay, this has to be real just for me. And it's not about being the good kid and just not making mistakes or not getting, you know, caught doing the wrong thing. You can't earn your way in. It has to be a real reliance on this Jesus that you know so much about in your head. That has to be real for you in your heart. And and I think that conflict sort of carried with me throughout my my life so far because that's a temptation for me. I like to know about things and feel like I can comprehend and dig in and really ask all the questions intellectually. Uh, and but knowing you know what's real, what am I trusting? Is it's not enough to know about God. I have to know him and who he is and his learn more and more about his fullness. I It has to be a daily walking relationship with him. So for me, I came to that initial realization when I was 11. Um, and then, you know, during my college years, I had some struggles as well and some problems with relationships with people in the church. And as so many people do, that caused me to question, okay, am I, am I really in this? Is is this for real? Is this is all of this made up? You know, and really doing that deep faith struggle, um, and ultimately came to this understanding that I know that I know that I know that God is real. God is for me. That Jesus has borne that punishment that I deserved. That He did not. That He is the way that I can be right with God. That not only me, but that every other person that's hearing these words right now can have that living faith, that living hope. Um, and and there's no hope without Him. Yeah. So that's where I am right now. Wow, <laughs> that that is so cool. I mean, like totally. Praise God. And you know, Becca, you hit upon just making a personal decision and own, owning it, you know, the Bible talks about if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's John ten nine. Um, I remember being in college and one night I was, you know, young in my faith and I was and I was studying with some friends of mine and that day I'd, you know, been in my Bible and I was reading and I was reading about being born again. And uh, so we we were studying, and so I asked my study mate, and I just said, "Hey guys, I said, you know, have you have you ever been born again like Jesus talked about?" And they're like, "Yeah, you know, I've been born again." And I'm like, "Okay, cool." So, so I was like excited, I'm like, "So, you know, tell me about it." And they were like, "You know, well, my parents baptized me," and I was like, "Oh, okay." And I said, "Okay, like, tell me about it." And they're like, they just kind of like look at me, and and I was kind of, you know, I was the sharpest tool in you know the shed, and so sometimes my inquisitiveness got at, got that's the best of me. And I remember I just kind of stopped it and looked at him and I said, I said, I'm kind of maybe dense or something. I said, but like, if your parents would have baptized you in the name of Satan, does that mean you're going to hell? And they're like, no, absolutely not. And I said, well, why? And they said, cause I didn't have a choice in it. And I'm like, okay. And I, and I was like, okay, so God is calling us individually to make the choice for him. And there's traditions that have baby baptism, Peter baptism that are rich. And there's a history in the church 
of that, Scripture calls us to make an individual decision that there's not a coattail religion, you know, in this, that God calls each man and each woman to stand and give an account for their life before the living God of the universe. And he made it possible in Jesus for us to have salvation. Well said. Do you have a rebuttal to that, Rebecca? No, I agree with it. Uh, can I give an amen? You can give an amen okay? for sure. <laughs> All right, amen. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I've got. Well, I think one of the things, guys, too, is that sometimes we think, like, we need to have, like, everything together. Like, we have to understand every single thing before we make a decision. And and here's the thing. People are in journeys, and God is faithful. He's big enough for your questions. And let me just encourage you, for those who are listening, if the Lord is speaking to your heart, and you might say, like, well, Dave, you know, not every one of my categories have been checked. Some of you might be driving in your car today. And here's here's the reality. You got in your car today. You didn't understand fully the laws of thermodynamics or electrical engineering or mechanical engineering or constructional engineering on the roads that you're driving in, but it doesn't stop you from driving. And while you may not feel like you know every single jot and tittle as it relates to salvation, this is true. The God of the universe saw us in our sinful state, sent his son to live a life that we couldn't live, to die a death that we could not die, to give us a gift that we can never lose because it's rested in him. Hmm. Yeah, I, you know, David, you were coming off uh, some pretty emotional stuff. I mean, some pretty tumultuous time in your life with the suicide attempt. And, and my little 13-year-old brain was going, are you telling me I can have confidence and assurance of my eternal destiny? So I had this rash of reason come over me thinking, this, okay, all right, this is an amazing gift that all I have to do is receive it and be grateful and thankful and repent. And I had no problem repenting. Um, and I had no problem asking Christ into my life. And you think of the power of uh, what God has kept you from, you know, people always come to God looking for a yes, but I have to say that God has blessed your life in so many ways because of his no's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody likes no's, but I tell you, there's been enough no's in everybody's life that God has had his hand upon that has kept you in in, in a place of peace. Um, I just think his guidance through the Holy Spirit is without it, without it, we perish. And we really would. And, you know, I have a dear friend who's who's um, staying with us right now um, from England, and uh, I just been praying, and he's on a really neat journey. And I just want to invite our listening audience to pray for him, a wonderful young man named Jake um, that we've been blessed to have part of our family. And, uh, you know, uh, was chatting with his mom in England, and Jake recently had a bike accident, broke both bones in both hands and both arms. And, uh, you know, even his mom was like, you know, Jacob, I think God's trying to get a get a hold of you, get a, get your attention. And, and uh, God's a great God who loves him so much and loves so many of us who are listening today. Um, you know, the cool thing about biblical Christianity is all world religions get boiled down to what a person does to save themselves. So you wake up saying, did I do enough good or did I not do enough bad? But in biblical Christianity, it's what God has done for us. And while we were yet sinners, and we were unable to bring 
anything good to the table, that while we were yet sinners, that's when Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. And he looked at you and says, I love you. And, and uh, one book that was written, uh, the title was, How Good Is Good Enough? We can never be good enough because yeah. we are still following sinful, but he is more than good enough. I remember that profound opening scene in Saving Private Ryan, where a now elderly Private Ryan is in a cemetery looking at the tombstones of some of his fellow soldiers and practically choked up in tears saying, was I worth it? Um, was he was he worthy of the sacrifice they made to try to save him and his life? And I think, yeah, we can't, we don't earn anything. It's a, it's a gift that God gives. And in his eyes, in the eyes of God, through Christ, we were worth it. That's what he came, to seek and save us and to, and to save us from our sin and from eternal condemnation. Yeah, that is like, that's such a powerful movie. And I I remember just literally being rocked by that and people giving their lives. You know, one of the things with our listening audience, because the other day when we did one of our shows, when we were asking things that people were feeling anxious about, some people texted and emailed in and they said, I'm concerned about the salvation of my family, of my kids. And sometimes we get kind of worried about, am I going to do it the right way or the wrong way? And Mm -hmm. I guess as we tie up our time, I just want to share that one time I was working for a company. I don't know if we have time for a story, David. We're out of time. Okay. Maybe we can save it till till next Monday. I mean, I love where you were going with this, but we're just uh, up against a time clock here. So um, Mm. put that. My house flies. Yeah, it does fly. Jot that note down so we can use it next week. Sounds good. All right, brother. God bless. Thanks. God bless you. Thank you. Bye-bye, yeah. guys. We'll take a little break. We'll be back with Hour 2. Becky Pippert will be my guest in the top of the hour. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.